To Supercoach Edge, I'm Damon, and with us, as always, is Liam. How's your team shaping up so far, kind co-host? Well, actually, interestingly enough, I've actually probably yes. made what is the biggest structural change to my side this preseason since Ooh. our last app. Um, which, oh yeah, it's a bit interesting, but it's probably a good time to touch on it. It coincides nicely, actually, because you know it all comes down to uh, what we like to call team structure. Mm. So uh, that's what we'll be delivering today to you, the kind folk of the Supercoach Edge community in today's episode, which is uh, actually the first of a handful of mini episodes dedicated to uh, to all things strategy that will follow. So we've obviously gone through all the different lines and now we'll be delving a little bit deeper as we like to do mm. oh so deep into the, uh, into the strategy side of things. So today we are doing the team structure, but before we jump into it, we have a very, very exciting announcement. Ooh. Oh my God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody, stay calm. What's the Everybody procedure, stay calm. everyone? What's the procedure? Stay calm. Wait, 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 wait. Everybody, calm down. We can officially announce: not only have we hit the first subscriber benchmark of 250 on our way to 500 Ooh. by round one, we've absolutely smashed it. I think at the moment. Yeah, that's right. Raise the roof. <laughs> you, you. <laughs> I think we're at the moment around about 280-ish. Awesome work by everyone jumping on board and getting involved. Off the back of that, it means that it's time to unveil the giveaway that we'll be doing, Liam. Yes, uh, when we both know how valuable a uh, Supercoach Plus membership is, in getting that valuable access uh, to data such as trade insights, historical averages, uh, especially of certain opponents, projections, which you know sometimes we we mock, uh, but uh, much more <laughs> throughout the season, uh, it gets more and more valuable as the season goes on. So we're uh, we're going to give away a free yearly subscription at random to one of our lucky lucky subscribers. So how do we pick this random subscriber? You may ask. Oh. Yes, I ask Liam how. Thank you. Thank you for asking, David. Uh, all you have to do, and actually it doesn't work for you, you can't do it. Uh, I'm banning you. Uh, all you have to do is qualify. To qualify is uh, comment below this video on YouTube answering the question as to who you think this year's biggest breakout contender will be. Uh, obviously, make sure that you're subscribed to the channel because uh, otherwise, yeah, it's not going to work the whole you. purpose, yeah. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Trying to build a community here, folks. You're going to be involved in the community. <laughs> and that's it. It's as simple as that. Yep, absolutely. So given we are celebrating, of course, our YouTube subscribers, it's probably no surprise. This is a YouTube-only competition. So for any regular listeners to our podcast, we have uh, we have quite a few dedicated listeners, so thank mm. you. Um, but this giveaway does extend to you also. So get involved by commenting on this episode on YouTube in the comments section below. And subscribe if you haven't already, um, as we just said, because otherwise it just defeats the purpose and you're not a part of the community. You've got to be a part of the community for us to, to give back to you yes. in the community. So it's really that simple. And uh, for those that have already signed up to Supercoach Plus, we'll happily cover your subscription for 2024. So, you know, we're just we're just delving ahead. So we're not, not just, you know, the current people. That's what we do here at Supercoach Edge. We, we, we delve forward. We project forward in order to give you the edge. So that'll be giving you the edge for 2024 if uh, if you're that way inclined. So it's obviously free to enter. So um, 
tell your friends or don't tell them just so, you know, it sort of counts them out and <laughs> means you're more of a chance of winning. So, uh, so get involved. Uh, we'll be announcing the winner in an upcoming episode, uh, probably the next episode, I'd say. So, And as we mentioned, this is the halfway point of our milestone. So if we can hit 500 subs by round one, we'll be doing another giveaway that uh, is going to be just a little bit a little bit juicier than this one. This one is Ooh. juicy, but a little bit more uh, a bit more juice to squeeze. Make you with a little juice. No, whizzing the juice. Whiz the juice. No, 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 whizzing the juice. No, we didn't see that, man. Anyway, anyway, moving on. Uh, we've been loving the interactions that we've been having with our fans and the broader Supercoach community so far this season or this preseason. So to uh, get involved in discussions, make sure you hit us up via our social channels. Uh, you'll find us on Twitter at, at Supercoach underscore Edge. Damon at, at DamoJ88. Myself at Liam Evans underscore 95. Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, search Supercoach Edge and you'll find us there. Yes, and uh, also feel free to send us a screenshot of uh, of your team as we're always happy to provide any handy mm. feedback where we can. There's been a few people doing that actually, hitting us yeah. up um, sneakily on Instagram, which I don't know if you saw, but uh, we had someone sneak through. It was almost like an essay. So um, <laughs> kind of my, my kind of person where I send a text is usually an essay. Um, but though I had a few valuable questions, which we'll be addressing in this episode mm. and next episode also with relation to the buys. Um, but yeah, apologies to that person that sent the message through because we obviously interact with a lot of uh, the fan base through Twitter primarily. Um, and yeah, this is on um, Instagram and just slid into our DMs. <laughs> it was just, just not even, not even seen, not even left on scene. So uh, apologies to that person, but hopefully we can help you in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also have a bit of a, a bit of an announcement, a secondary announcement, of course, because stay tuned to the end of this episode, because we'll be dropping the Supercoach <gasps> Edge group code at the very end of this episode. So you could always do a sneaky and just fast forward through to the end, but that'd kind of defeat the purpose of, you know, you can be set on all the juice. <laughs> It'd it's, be kind uh, of like, yeah, go on, you say, no, I was I just going to say something stupid. So was I. <laughs> well, let's do it. Let's do it. You go, you go first. I can't remember what I was going to say now. Oh, okay. I was going to say, you know, just using the analogy about the juice, you know, it's kind of like pouring yourself a nice cold glass of orange juice, tipping Without it down the, the sink. No, with the pulp. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, you're wasting it. Oh, yeah, without. Oh, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, Yeah. thank God. I thought you were going to be on the other side of it. Well, I would have have ended the podcast right then and there. (laughs) Like, what is this? Although that is quite unique because if you ask my other half, she hates the pulp. And I think it gives it sweetness. Yeah. It gives it, yeah, no, it needs it. It does. It's strange. Yeah, Mm. but anyway, going back to the, uh, the wacky analogy. So it's almost like pouring yourself a nice cold glass of orange juice. And then proceeding to pour it down the sink <laughs> and then tipping the glass into your mouth oh, yes. with a little couple of drops. That's kind of yeah. what you're doing now. If you're skipping over the content and you're trying to get the group code, like you've got the code, you've got a little taste of it, but you haven't got the, the enjoyment. It's waste. It's the full episode. Exactly. Mm. So enough with those stupid analogies. Shall we get into the episode? <laughs> yes, let's do it. <laughs> we'll do it live. Fuck it. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. <sighs> so uh, with uh, all that excitement out of the way uh, and all that s- stupidity, uh, let's knuckle down and talk all things strategy in the form of team structure. Yes, there's always conjecture as to which is the best way to structure your starting lineup. Mm. There's the uh, obvious... Guns and rookies, which has been a popular strategy uh, or structure over the years. There's the mid-price madness, and then a bit of a hybrid of both. 
um, which I quite like. Now, it's really diff difficult to know which will be the most successful starting structure from year to year, but one way to try and ascertain as to which could be the best approach comes down to probably, you know, there's, there's a few factors out there. But I think whilst, you know, the one constant is the quality of primos from year to year, it's the quality of other players on offer in terms of, you know, yeah. firstly, the depth of rookie cash cows. So some, I think there's always going to be cash cows. Maybe it was, it was last year or the year, sorry, year prior to that, where we're struggling for cash cows and yeah. they sort of cropped up really, really late. It might've been last year, maybe. Last year, I think. I can't recall, but there but was yeah, one of those, it was, was all last year or the year before yeah. and we we're like struggling. We we're like, oh, the, you know, the guns and rookies structure isn't going to work. And then we were blessed with so many cash cows. But then the other side of the coin is, looking more broadly at the value or the level of value of those mid-price options. And mm. I reckon this year, as we'll, we'll run through, is probably the one year where we're getting a fair bit of juice, just to continue the analogy of juice, uh, when it comes to mid-prices. So let's first look at the all-out mid-price approach. So, you know, I reckon it's probably a pretty simple answer here in order to, you know, upgrade your team throughout the year, which is of course the sole purpose of Supercoach. You start with your, your primos, you've got some rookies, a couple of maybe mid-prices. Um, but if you go harder on the mid-prices, I, I think it's going to be hard to sort of max out your mm -hmm. team. Um, the all-out mid-priced approach, yeah, I think there's probably a consensus there. It simply doesn't work. You've got to at least have some rookies in tow. Um, main reason is, you know, the, the mid-price approach as a collective, those mid-prices won't be appreciating enough in value in order to upgrade. So why, you may ask? Well, the main reason ties in with the higher priced the player, the more points they need to average in order to generate the same level of money as a rookie. So as an example, in order mm. to appreciate to you know 150K, which is of course the magic number that uh, someone has to reach in order to trade them in, because that's the, the value we put on trades in Supercoach. As an example, the 123.9K priced Darcy Wilmot, for example, only needs to average roughly 49, while say, Nat Fife, who's priced at 313.6K, needs to average 84 in comparison to hit that 150K benchmark. So that kind of gives a bit of a fair idea as to why rookies are so valuable as stepping stones to upgrading your team and why it's really hard anyway for, for mid-prices um, across the board to make money. While some will, um, majority simply just won't be able to. So uh, we can probably strike out the all-out mid-price strategy from the list due to needing rookies to some extent. So in that case, what of the guns and rookies approach? But first, Liam, before you delve into that particular structure, did you have anything to add? I love mid-price madness. <laughs> we all like, do, though. I think I love how like every year there's always like an article or there's always like all these tweets being like, is this the year that mid-price madness will be like the best? It's, yeah. it's this year and I'm like, it's every every year we have an article <laughs> and every year everyone's like, yeah, nah, probably not. Yeah. Like, yeah, a couple of mid-prices, but not not a team of mid-prices. I mean, I no. see the logic in in theory. It's, it yeah, work. spreading your cash. Yeah, yeah, spreading your cash. So like, you know, theoretically, if you had all mid-prices, you're probably going to average theoretically the same points round to round, but you're just not. It's not 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 how it works in, in reality. A lot of those mid-prices as well, like they either are at a stage in their career where they're, they're yet to take the next step to being, yeah. being a primo and there's the risk there that they actually won't. And then there's mid-prices that were actually fallen premiums that are coming off like a, a year-long injury or yeah. it's like a Nat Fife who we spoke of just there who's had injuries like en masse across the journey and has dropped down to that juicy price point but 
comes with that specter of, of injury risk. So, you know, again, the risks that come with a lot of these mid prices, I think. Yeah. Or they're just really not super coach relevant players who are just going to mm. bang out that 50, 60, 70 score. That's, you know, that that's their, that's their score. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's something that you need to consider mid prices in your team, but not a team of mid prices. Yeah. Um, and that's where I think guns and rookies comes in. Uh, mm. Let's uh, let's chat about guns and rookies. And uh, this is probably the most popular team structure um, and probably the longest most popular mm. team structure. Obviously, as the name suggests, you get the rookies to make you bulk cash, but you also get the guns, or in this case, the best primos to deliver you the super solid and consistent scores from week to week. So the main upside here obviously speaks for itself. The more rookies means that you have more cash, which uh, you can generate, obviously, but the key concern obviously is their scoring and this leads to the biggest shortfall of the guns and rookies method. The major issue uh, with this, with this method is the fact that you can't, you can't avoid the fact that you'll be relying on, you know, on-field rookies to score well enough to give you a collectively respectable score from week to week. And that's where I guess the mid-pricer concern comes in. A mid-pricer might score a 70, a rookie might score a 50. So you're losing out on 20 points, but you're not getting the cash that you need. Um, and with any rookie, especially those in their first year, consistent scores, let alone half decent scores, just aren't possible due to the high fluctuations in output. Their role's not the same uh, as what they might have had in juniors. They're obviously playing against, you know, bigger bodies. There's, yeah, many, many reasons. While some may have uh, better scoring ceilings than others, such as the nature of uh, footy for juniors, their scoring will be inconsistent with Dacos, Walsh, Oliver, probably only a handful of the exceptions to the rule over the recent period, like over the last few years. Um, it's unavoidable as everyone will be forced to play a number of rookies on field, especially early on in the season. The question just comes down to how many and how how you trust them, if that mm. makes sense. Like if yeah. you're not playing a key position forward rookie um, on field is probably not not ideal. Yeah. Um so I guess how do we counteract that and and the how do we have less rookies on field? Because our salary cap only allows us to bring in a certain number of primos. Um, so what is the alternative? I hear you ask. We've, we've got a lot what of is the alternative. We've got a lot of these in this episode. Yeah, a lot of rhetorical. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should uh, just record like a separate voice of yeah, like an just... old lady. <laughs> oh, but but what's the alternative? <laughs> that's no. That's that's that sounds like Buddy Mickey. <laughs> everybody it's me mickey mouse yeah. well, uh, so mickey's to, asked, answer, yes. to answer mickey uh <laughs> the answer is slightly deviating from the all-out primo on rookies approach by spreading your cash out a little bit more in the form of selecting some more reliable scoring mid prices with a more hybrid approach and i guess to an extent and i think you'll touch on this a little bit shortly it depends what we classify as a rookie versus mm. a mid pricer it depends whether you're talking price tag or if you're talking about the the player. If, yeah, like using the game. Yeah, I'm gonna you'll you'll touch on this in a sec. Uh, so I don't want to don't want to spoil that. Um, however, with a number of rookie priced mature age players, well, I'll I'll just ruin it now. Actually, uh, available <laughs> in 2023, being more than most years, uh, this could be the season for a bit of an exception to the rule. Maybe could it, Damon? Mm. Yes. Well, yeah, it's, it's very much uh, blurring the lines between what a traditional rookie is and what these, I guess, new age rookies are, especially this year with, as you mentioned there, the mature age players being rookie price. So I guess to that point, I'm probably, when you speak of the hybrid approach, I'm mm. more of a fan of the hybrid approach. Um, but, 
yeah, I think you make a great point you know, about those mature age players being rookie price because just rolling off a few names, we have probably more available than ever before. So we've got Oscar Allen at 210.2K. We've got Tipper at 209.6K. Mm. Arazio Fantasia at 203.3, your favorite, as we established in the last episode. <laughs> Aaron Francis at 180. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just waiting for the team reveal and he's going to be front and center in your team at, at F1. Uh, we've also got Aaron Francis at 189.4K. I'm just moving on quickly so you can't uh, you can't you can't retort. Toby McLean at 178.9K. Ben King at 176.3K. Cunners, David Cunningham at 163.8K, mm-hmm. and Josh Bruce at 161.2K. So we're obviously Jeez. classified. You know, anyone under the would have loved to have done 200K, but Josh, oh, sorry, Josh Allen, Oscar Allen has stuffed that up <laughs> by being priced at 210. But from him down, you could say like Oscar Allen's, you know, the equivalent of almost uh, Ashcroft, who's what, 203 or something off the top of my head. Um, yeah, so Ashcroft. very similarly priced in terms of like the highest priced traditional rookie, like a first year rookie. Um, yeah, Ashcroft is 202. So it's he's just yeah. off. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, all those players there have obviously been in the game for a number of years. Josh Bruce mm. is probably the oldest of the lot there, maybe Fantasia. Um, and yeah, they all offer a bit of something different compared to a um, traditional first-year rookie. So the upside that they do bring is number one, they save you money being largely uh, rookie-priced. They bring you know a more consistent and that that there's talking in comparison to if they are a traditional mid pricer which is what they probably should be mm. two they bring a more consistent and high scoring base from week to week compared to a genuine first year rookie and as an extension of the last two points combined their likelihood to appreciate to that you know that magical 150k mark is increased given they won't have as much trouble to hit the lower rookie priced average required to make that money given their low price point so this is, of course, countered by the fact that all of those players do come with risks, uh, having question marks over them in terms of, you know, either long-term injuries coming out of retirement in Tipper's case or being extremely down on form in the case of, say, uh, Aaron Francis. Yeah. So just to reel off, um, I'll just pull up the spreadsheet here before. I think just touching touching on that quickly, though, like looking at those players, as you said, they're going to have – they're going to have that more consistent scoring base. It might not be necessarily high, mm. but it'll be higher than what you'd expect some of those rookies in that similar position to have, like a, a traditional yep. rookie. I mean, a first-year player or a first player playing their first game, um, if that makes sense, or first season of playing. Um, yep. So they're going to have that. They are going to have, they have question marks. And these guys, probably a lot of this list, would probably traditionally be a mid-pricer, as you said, and they'd be a mid-pricer because they're just they're going to pump out that 60, 70 average mm-hmm. and that's it. They're not going to do yeah. much more than that. They're, but that's why you're looking at them this year because they can come back in. They can probably pump you out a consistent 60. They'll raise their they'll, – they'll go up in cash as much as, as we need and then we can, you know, move them on and thank them for their service. Uh, spot on exactly and just just comparing is a, a nice example here and a similar price point so Mateus Philippou is priced at 166.8k and he has to average in order to get to that 150k mark 57.54 compare that to Josh Bruce who's priced 5k 5.6k less than him at 161.2k and he has to average similarly 56.52 
or thereabouts as we've done the sums yeah. there. So a first-year player who's expected to make that same mark up against Josh Bruce, who's been in the game for, for God knows how long, for I think it's about seven years or thereabouts. And we had put up a post today actually on uh, across our social channels and there's the word that he may go back into defense and his first three years in the game, Josh Bruce actually averaged around about the 60, sorry, 56 to 57 mark as it was anyway. So mm. that's kind of his flaw um, playing in that role. So at the very least, do you think he's going to make an easy time of, of uh, making the 150K compared to a Philippu who has to adjust to the game style in his first year uh, of senior footy? We don't um, know the, the riggers. role the same way, yeah. Exactly right. The role, um, especially with him, like he's could be played up forward um, given he was doing that in his juniors, could play some sparing time in the middle. But just comparing both of those, like that's probably a really good example to give a bit of an idea as to, hmm. as to what we're going on about here, as to why these guys are so valuable. And I reckon come the end of the season, we'll be looking back and the person that started the right sort of combination of these players, as opposed to, you know, the genuine first year rookies, I reckon this could be, potentially a secret to unlocking or taking out the title in 2023. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think um, it, it it's, and it's not as simple as just starting all of these guys. That'd be yeah. very risky. Very. I mean, a lot of them are forwards as well. So, well, I think they're yeah. all forwards on that list. So you're going to struggle to yep. start them all because your forward line would look not great. Um, Actually, they could, they could potentially start all of them because there's, there's eight there. So okay. you, right, you could start starting six. Probably wouldn't do it, but, <laughs> but you could. don't do it. Don't do that. No. But yeah, I guess that lends itself. It, it just depends what you want to kind of classify these as. And I think there's been a little bit of debate on Twitter about it as to whether they're mm. whether they are rookies because of their price. Whether what makes a rookie is it price or being a rookie as such. Yeah. Um. So depending on how you want to look at it, you could classify if you use these guys, you could say it's a hybrid model. Um, if not, you could say that it's a guns and rookies model because they're really rookie priced, mm. but that's really semantics. It does. It doesn't make a difference. Um, let's chat about the hybrid approach though. Um, and that's probably the most popular structure I want to say, um, of the, of the lot. And so that obviously as the name speak, as, as it says for itself, uh, it combines elements of guns and rookies and that mid price strategy. So it means your team is comprised of some outright primos, a little sprinkling, just a, just a little bit of mid price madness, and just a salt bay, yeah, and a dash of rookie. Oh, it's a sprinkle more than a dash. I don't know, maybe a spoonful yeah. of rookies. I want to say. <laughs> now you sound like Mary Poppins. For <laughs> a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. The medicine go down. Medicine go down. <laughs> a spoonful of rookies makes the super coach. Go down. Well, wow, it does. Technically. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. Uh, in, uh... Because it makes you cash. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> so that's what we're just saying. Thank you, Mary Poppins. Thank you, Mary Poppins. In uh, terms of <laughs> genuine mid-prices, uh, we have a few at our disposal with uh, Hopper, the most popular at 332K, and the likes of Yo, Sheed, Five, Taron Thomas, some other popular options. Uh, and... Like the rookie price mature age players we just spoke of, these mid-priced options provide that higher scoring ceiling and more likely a consistent scoring base. So they're not going to have that low floor. They're not going to have the big, as big a fluctuation you wouldn't expect 
mm. or at the very least you can bank a little bit on what their base of scoring is going to be compared to an outright first year rookie where you could see highs mm. and lows and it'll be like a standard deviations yeah. like pff, all over the shop. Yeah. It's just going to, it's going to be like a, I don't know, whatever this is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. A, a heart rate monitor. Boop, boop. Yeah, peaks and troughs, like yeah. Yeah, peaks and troughs—that's the word. Peaks and troughs. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> but of, uh, of course, they come at this discounted mid-price uh, for some reason. Uh, could be injury, could be form, and it could just be that they haven't broken out yet. So they don't. So they obviously come with a risk. Um, but yeah, I guess that's the three sort of models that you could be following. The three strategies. So let's uh, let's have a chat about what our preferred team structure is. Mm, well, I guess for me, the hybrid approach is probably, I see it as more the balanced approach mm. um, that I prefer from year to year, but can also see merit in the guns and rookies approach. As I think those rookie price, mature age players are virtually like mid prices. Like I said, it's kind of like yeah. the lines are blurred now. So they're, they're kind of like, what's the saying? Like a wolf in sheep's clothing, yeah. a wolf Please, in sheep's. Yeah. It's kind of like that, like it's mid mid prices in rookie clothing. Like it's, it's, it's like that. It's that. Oh, is it Steve Buscemi being like, how do you do fellow kids? What? (laughs) Yeah. It's like an old man with like the cap. (laughs) And the skateboard. The skateboard under his arm. (laughs) So yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's literally what these mid prices or these rookies are. Yeah. Let's refer to them as uh, Steve Buscemi's from now on. Uh, so in <laughs> essence, I guess this structure is inherently hybrid in nature. However, I still think there are mid prices in the true sense of the word, such as Hopper that can't be bypassed given the upside that they bring. You know, Hopper, for example, has historically shown he's been on the cusp of being a primo with averages 97, 90.9, 95.8 with injuries. Really the reason that's disrupted his recent seasons and the reason why he comes in at this discounted price as, you know, a traditional mid-price player. So for me, it's still the hybrid, but edging very, very closely to the guns and rookies approach with some of those mature age rookies taking the spots, otherwise filled by genuine first-year players for me in other years. So I don't know. What what, what about you, Liam? Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, I would normally go very hybrid. Like I'd probably have a rookie, I'd probably have a mid-pricer on each line, mm. um, yep. at least one on each line. Forwards, maybe a couple just because I hate as everyone knows you've listened to this podcast before i hate forwards those blasted um, forwards <laughs> uh, and i look at my team this year and originally it was like that but this year as i mentioned i've restructured it a bit and it's very much guns and rookies and i'm classifying all of those steve Buscemi's as <laughs> as rookies because because just because of their price like i'm looking at it purely from a price perspective um they're all rookies I think I've only got two mid prices um, in Yo and Hopper, and that's Actually, it. I'm, I'm the same. Yeah, whereas normally I would have expected to have probably two, probably at least three or four. Um, oh, have you, have you got bows? No, I don't. Oh well, I've I've got bows. Um, yeah, so not even yeah. I've got so three. The, the next cheapest, the most expensive. Sorry, the next most expensive is uh, is Gota at one ninety two. Mm, okay so yeah it's very much under 200k um at at this stage um i think there might be some movement in my team as well but yeah i guess that's that's the big change that i've had um from what i've normally done 
Uh, and um, I'm kind of okay with it, to be honest. I yep. think I think I see more value in doing that this year. Oh, as, as in what the mid-price So are? I think there's more value in going for those non-mid-priced, the, 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 the steeper, steeper shimmies. Yep. Yeah, because they are... <laughs> They, they they present the most value. So they're going to give you that mid-priced that, sort of that yeah. mid-priced sort of what you'd expect from a mid-price up, but they're going to give you a much lower starting price, which is what you yep. need. Yep, gotcha. Gives you gives you all the uh all the bells and whistles of a mid-pricer, but at the price of a rookie. Love it. Exactly. So lastly, I, I just want to touch on an interesting bit of homework that I've done uh, and a very useful insight offered by two-time AFL fantasy champ. Moriera's Magic. Uh, if some of you haven't listened to his podcast, I mm. highly recommend you do so. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to delve back into the, I'm still going to call it Dream Team because when I first started out playing, I was Dream Team everything. Uh, and then I switched across to Supercoach. So I'm trying to like jump back across to AFL Fantasy because I had a little bit of a go of it in the back half of, of last season and paid more attention to it when my Supercoach started sort of taking a <laughs> nosedive. And actually... I reckon I unlocked a bit of a, from what I've been learning through Moriera's Magic's podcast, is there's a few things that you can unlock, which can be applied to Supercoach as well. So he did touch on the fact that in Supercoach, we obviously have limited trades compared to AFL Fantasy, where they have unlimited trades virtually from week to week. So you're trading in guys um, for a couple of weeks, riding their 50k price rise and then and then trading them out, which we can't really afford to do with limited trades in Supercoach. And he said that because of the limited nature of trades and Supercoach, we need to head into the season with a bit of a plan on how to best use the trades to try and finish with the best 22 scoring players in the competition. And the structure, starting structure, is more important than ever compared to AFL Fantasy. Mm -hmm. So he broke it down in terms of this year, we start with 36 trades. And firstly, he said, I think I recommend that you should be using six for injuries across the entirety of the year, which is funny to you, Liam. I know because you had yeah. like Sorry, 22 uh, we'll, injuries. We'll touch on that later. <laughs> uh, so that was six. So six of the 36 already allocated for your injuries, if you're lucky, which in your case last year you weren't. <laughs> Another six are for fixing your site. For, so for missed rookies, for stuff-ups, for um, you know mid-prices that don't pay off early on or take a nosedive, all that sort of things. And then the remaining 24 should be reserved or seen as what's used at the minimum for upgrading your side. So virtually downgrading and upgrading. Yeah. So 12 downgrades, 12 upgrades. So on the notion of those 12 upgrades, it means you need to start with at least 10 genuine keepers. So 12 upgrades plus the 10 gives you a best 22 scoring team come the end of the season, if you're lucky. So I broke down my performance last year and looking at my starting lineup and there were many names there. Like I thought there were going to be shoe-ins for like top eight for mids, like a, a Jack, Jack Steele got injured, had a bit of form issues, came back, just couldn't recapture it, but went through line by line and would have loved to have started with 10. If I did, I probably would have finished much higher than I did, but I fell short by five players with only Neil who finished first overall in mids. Tookie Miller, the running man, finished third. McRae, who finished sixth. All of those finished inside the top eight mids. And then I had Dunkley, who finished first in forwards, and Cogs, who finished third as, you know, inside the top six forwards. So 
Short was the next closest of those, surprisingly, that I started with, finishing narrowly outside the top six defenders in seventh. So use that sort of that, mm. I guess, this this notion in mind with how you're constructing your team, especially in line with, you know, if you're going with the guns and rookies approach, try and have the best 10 scoring players. It doesn't have to be, you know, in any specific line, but spread out across your team. If you can start with 10 genuine keepers, that'll make it so much easier in order to finish the season with the best 22 team. So I don't know, how did you fare? Did you, have you had a chance to go through your team last year? Mine was the same, I think. If not the same, very similar, like the same numbers. Um, so I fell short too, basically. Yeah. The one thing I'm going to raise, um, been doing a little bit of looking at numbers, um, and I guess it's it's the ease with how we select the top scorers across each line to let us nail that top 10. So it's not questioning that we need to do it. It's actually questioning how hard it's actually going to be for us to do it. Mm. Um, as I said, I've done a bit of analysis. I've looked at the last few years and found that other than the mids and rucks, the consistency of the top eight players in each line is not great. Uh, so for the rucks, I've looked at the top five scorers, top five ruck scorers since 2019, and it's been the most consistent with three out of five remaining constant between 2019 and 2020. Four out of the five between 20 and 2021 and 21, 2021 uh, to 2022 being the most variable with only two out of the five rucks remaining the same. And I mean, we can all mm. attest to that having looked at how the rucks, all the injuries that happened last year to the rucks. Uh, the mids have seen probably the most consistent with at least five of 10 remaining constant from each year. So it's relatively easy to pick the mids, I guess, to an extent based off last year's mids. Um, or not necessarily easy, but it's it's the, you've got the highest chance of getting it right. And the defs, uh, defenses, defense has actually been, this was the one that surprised me the most, I will say. It only really had two or three remain constant from year to year. So I thought that one would be much higher. Yeah. Just because I feel like I'm most confident in picking the defenders but there's actually been quite a lot of variable variability in it. And I think there's some players that have like a Tom Stewart, who I thought would have been consistent across the years. He's had injuries, he's had suspensions. That's he's had a high average, but he hasn't had a high total score. So there's a little bit of that in there, but it's not quite as simple as yeah. They often quite, they're changing quite often. It's actually quite interesting. Um, And finally the forwards, basically no consistency from year to year. Um, I think there was one year where they remain constant. Um, there was one forward that was in the top eight in two years uh, consecutively. That's it pretty much. Um, and that again comes down to the fact that most forwards who score well are DPP and generally they lose their DPP because they're not playing as a forward because if they're playing as a forward, yeah. then they wouldn't score well. So I think also considering that with the way the DPP changes mid-season now, that's going to get worse because we're going to have the likes of Bont who get who got forward eligibility late last year, who's now not a forward. Um, yep. he's, a, he's a mid again. So we're going to have that issue playing it. So forwards are always going to be hardest um, because they, yeah, they lose that. Generally they lose their forward eligibility and go into the mids and then they're not scoring strong enough to be a top mid uh, generally. This, in, I guess, throws into question the ease with which we can select the 10 starting keepers or top scorers. But it also, I think, shows 
and we might, we'll delve into this in a bit in another episode, I think, because I want to talk about it a bit more, that we need to stack the mids and the ruck line with as many primos as we can. So yep. I think I, I think like last year we were talking about stacking the defenders and realistically that probably wasn't a good idea because you had Sinclair come out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, I don't even know, Doherty, Dawson, yeah. all these players who actually came out of nowhere as, um, as top six def- uh, defenders. Mm. But the 10 starting keepers, I think, helps create a really good benchmark and an idea around that. It's just it's hard to pick it, um, which is which is unfortunate. Yeah, I really like that uh, the way of thinking is it, you know, it obviously gives you a bit of a clear structure to work around. And I think it's kind of it, it is, you know, delving into that, it gives you a bit of surety as to which lines to have most confidence mm-hmm. in when you're selecting your starting team. Um, and that's that's a ma- major revelation there in terms of defense. Um, it kind of makes sense though, as you explained it with the forwards, like with their DPPs and stuff, like um, as to why there isn't a constant going forward. But yeah, defense is really interesting. I think Whitfield, he, he was one that a lot of people were jumping on, no doubt got injured again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be interesting this year because there's, there's almost a clear top what four or five there's like Doherty, Dawson, Stewart, Sinclair. Mm. Like there's those guys that you should think will finish in the top six defenders. So is it going to deviate from what you yeah. just explained and, and like again, become more constant? Like Yeah. And again, it's not, it's not to say that it can't be constant. It's just to say that the trend is saying that it's not yeah. constant. So it, yeah, again, it's not going to say that, I mean, the forwards could this year all of a sudden become consistent you don't know um like correlation obviously doesn't mean causation um and the trend you can't just base you know as we say what is it uh past performance doesn't yeah doesn't isn't a reliable indicator of future future returns uh so you've got to keep that in mind but it's just something to consider i think that it's it is a trend it is it has been happening and so i'm looking at my side and i'm thinking okay let's stack the mids a bit more than what i would Mm -hmm. for the defenders, which is what I was tending towards. Um, and that should hopefully see my end side be a little bit stronger. Yep. No, I love it. Um, cause that, that structure is, is the main thing. And yet yeah, midfield is, uh, just the cream of the crop when it comes to, mm. you know, uh, the top scoring plays, but even then, like there's probably, you'd say there's even more competition in the midfield because there's so much quality in there yet. The fact that it's a constant from year to year, like the same players, have performed well enough mm. is still a, a good, it's, it's, it's a good achievement anyway. I think it is anyway, like it probably should be harder because there's more competition compared to in the forward line and in defense, especially. Yeah. So it's, yeah. It's really interesting, but yeah, just on the whole structure side of things, I think provides that structure, gives you a bit of an outline as to how to best structure your team. And then mm. I guess from there, you just, just pray and hope injuries don't derail things beyond <laughs> the six trades we've allocated from, uh, in line with uh, Moriera's Magic's uh, breakdown. But as you can well attest to last season, Liam, the Supercoach gods can be a cruel, cruel beast in that regard. Mm. Six trades is, well, my last year seems very low. I think I used six <laughs> trades on just ruck injuries last year. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I can't remember now, but I definitely through encountered, there was at least 14 or 15 trades that I used just on injuries. And I didn't, I didn't even trade out all of my injuries. Um, I had to hold some. So 
I guess compare that to the six and you can see how easily a season can be derailed by, uh, by injuries. Um, and it just shows you how tough it is to get that perfect team. Like you're not going to get your top, you're, you're realistically not going to get a team that has the top six scoring Best defenders. 22. Yeah. You're not, you're not going to get that um, no. ever because you're just, you're just not really. Yeah. Uh, but I guess to counter that, you can look at a player like Abs Magic, who I think outlined his trades in 2022, where he finished fourth. And I haven't watched the video in the context of looking at the structure that you've outlined here, but my guess is that he, he had quite an aggressive structure where he kind of traded a lot. So I would be interested to see, go back, look at his video and look at his trades from 2022 to see how he went in line of, in light of that. So did he yep. start that many players? Did he just trade his way into sort of players that that were doing that? So I think it's an important guide, but again, it's just that there's so many ways to play super coach that there's no one way that's going to work 100% of the time. But I think that's what makes it exciting. It's fun. But it's yep. also understanding that there's many different ways and you've got to you can use that as a basis, but at the end of the day, yeah, like like I said even the stats that I had, they're not they're not going to be a constant. Um is yep. there's just so many things that happen. Yeah, you're totally right there. And I had a quick peek at um at that video by Abs Magic, <clears throat> at least um most of it, especially because I was interested, most interested in how he started his team. Yeah, and I was so surprised there was guys that he was trading in that he only held for like I think he he jumped on Luke McDonald for like a couple of weeks. Yeah, and then he had like a downer and traded him out, and I was just like, whoa, that's blasphemy! Like I, I'd never do that because that kind of speaking to what I I mentioned there with Moriarty's magic, how how he broke it down, like it was almost like Ab's magic was, or Abdul as we know him, like he was using his trades as if he was playing AFL fantasy. Like yeah. he was being ultra aggressive and it, it worked out for him in the end because there were guys that he jumped on and jumped off at the perfect time. Like uh, Cogs, for example, he traded him in and then he traded him out for some reason and Cogs punched out like a 30 or something. I think maybe the week before he was playing a little bit of time forward and he thought, oh, okay, he might get marooned forward a bit more the next game, traded him out. Everyone still had him, obviously. And then that gave uh, Abdul a bit of a leg up. So I think it ties in, you know, just, I guess, putting a little bit of a bow on this, the first edition of of, uh, of our strategy episode this year, but, uh, and sort of forecasts ahead as to <laughs> what we're looking at in our next episode, because it is touching on a little bit of sort of using trade boosts and how to best utilize trades and whatnot. So mm. I'll, I'll, I'll pass the baton on to you or the, the pen in this case, Liam, that I have <laughs> in my hand over to you, because uh, apart from trade boosts, what else are we looking at for the next episode? Yeah. As you mentioned, we're looking at trade boosts, which uh, I think will be, be interesting just to chat about them a bit more. Uh, we'll also be discussing the buys and that scares me because I have not considered the buys yet. Uh, we've got that extra week uh, of buys as well to end with in 2023 going from three to four. So we'll be seeing, um, I guess, we'll take a look at the type of strategies you could take to tackle that week along with the others to potentially give you a leg up on the competition. Uh, we had a DM the other day asking us if we could uh, give an overview of the buys to a super coach newbie. So hopefully this will help them along with others who out there who are new to the game. Yes. Uh, look out for that one, of course, as it will no doubt serve as a great refresher for the uh, intermediate as well as the experienced players too, yeah. myself included, uh, as I need a refresher every single year. Cause it kind of, it goes by the wayside. It's like, oh my God, I've got to select Oliver. I've got to select the running man, Took Miller. Mm. And then it's like, oh, wait a second. What does it look like for the buyers? And it's always an afterthought. So 
there's that. And then obviously trade boosts um, were introduced last season. So it's going to be great to discuss how best to use them because last year I reckon I didn't use them correctly. So we'll be discussing whether, you know, early on or, you know, holding some for later um, in the year is the best um, best strategy to go with. But as always, if you're keen to join the discussion, we encourage you to do so by commenting below this video if you're watching us on YouTube. And uh, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and obviously get involved in that uh, that little um, giveaway that we are doing. Or alternatively, you can shoot us your comments and questions via Twitter, which is at supercoach underscore edge. You can uh, hit up myself at DamoJ88 or you can bother Liam as well uh, at LiamEvans underscore 95. On Facebook, search SuperCoachEdge and Instagram and TikTok, search SuperCoachEdge as well. Yes, and before we sign up, it's probably a good time to announce the doors to the group league have now been flung open. And to those that did skip to this point of the episode, go back, listen to the whole episode. You missed the juice. Uh, don't just... Yeah, you missed the juice. Missed lots of juice. We squeezed <laughs> it. Pulps. Squeeze the juice. No, no, no. Whizzing the juice. To, uh, to join. You to can use if you the don't code. like it. You will be liking it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, join, what was the code? <laughs> to join, use the code 249149. Very easy to remember there. So stay tuned as to what the prize will be for the coach that is victorious. And uh, don't forget to get involved in the random subscriber draw by commenting below this video who your predicted breakout player is and subscribe if you haven't already to make sure you are fully eligible. Well, Em, I'm off to um, trade in this Pepsi Max for a, <laughs> a nice cold glass of orange juice, I think, because mm. <laughs> I'm very, very thirsty for that pulpy goodness. So until <laughs> next week, we'll catch you at the same time and same place. See you guys.